Sentire Media All right, here we go. We fire up the mics again to do a podcast. This time on the 9th of March at 7.45 in the morning. Thank you for downloading this. I'm Jason. Ciao, I'm Ashley. Together we run, own, and operate La Tavola Marque, a little agriturismo down a crappy, hole-filled dirt road <laughs> in the middle of paradise. Uh, we call it Piobico Italia. Uh, we haven't done this in a while because we don't. We I know. Don't. Well, you guys know we're inconsistent. <laughs> Keeping it up. <laughs> but when we do fire up the mics, we try to bring the energy. Yes? yes. And I'm full of energy today because it is a beautiful, sunny morning, unseasonably warm. Um, we have had spring-like conditions. We haven't had rain since I can't remember. Neither can I. It's not to have dead air. I cannot remember the last time we had real rain either. Uh, Sometime in January. Yeah, it's been very, very warm. In fact, it was windy the other day and we saw dust bolt, like dust. What do you call those where the yeah, dust swirls exactly. up? Exactly. It was like, this is summer dust. Like, the, we shouldn't have this much dust right now. I know. We're talking too much about the uh, the dust. Well, the, the, uh, it's just so dry. It is so dry. It's, it's just so dry. It's so dry that the our farmer down the road, in, uh, the, the road after our house fell out. And you can only pass it if the river is really low. You just kind of go across a field in a four-wheel <laughs> drive car vehicle. And you go through the river. And you just kind of cut out the part of the fallen road well usually you can only do this in the summertime mm-hmm. when, when the but now the farmer's doing it right now in march which there should the river should be full of water and the fields should be so muddy there's no way you could pass through them so this is just dangerous come the summer so we're just hoping for rain but so. it's been so nice so we've been able to get a ton of stuff done the- if you guys follow us on the uh on the old twitter <laughs> on instagram or facebook you'll see that we posted a picture of the enlargement of the garden it's big we doubled it we doubled the size and what does that mean for folks Ooh. for folks um let's see <laughs> we're now um we're now fifth uh we're now Say like people know. You said know. it's like a freaking football field. It's, it's the size of a – whether you want to call it a soccer field, football field, it's that size. It's huge. It's huge. It's too big. Um, the third um, – about a quarter of it on the left-hand side is a place where the the soil never really dries out. It's a depression in the soil. And over there, I want to get two pigs this year. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So we'll see We'll see if we can uh, get our act together. We have a lot of projects to do. We're um, putting in raised planter boxes by our patio. We're going to put in uh, – build a deck up top where the where we had picnic tables um, in a little put, shady spot. Yeah, put a little outdoor lounge area. I'm pretty excited. Oh, which I've never done before. I've never built a deck. Um, and it, uh, there's tons of uh, YouTube videos. We couldn't – okay. It took us literally an hour last night. We kept measuring the sticks to uh, kind of give us a form and a measurement. And we had four poles. And we were trying to go – um, four meters by six meters. I don't know if it's because it's not level. That's why <laughs> it's not so level. We couldn't get it to work. We couldn't get it to work. We, we felt like idiots. We moved those sticks so many times. Nothing would ever add up right. It was like, what is going on? <laughs> so the challenge. There's a million videos online of how to build a deck, and it's a great starter, do-it-yourself kind of project. Uh, it's not. We're making a rectangle, mm-hmm. so it's not really that complicated. The only problem I'm running into is. I have to learn all these new words and terms in Italian because when I go into the wood place, I've got to 
what's joist and what's a mm-hmm. um, what's a uh, bearer. You know, what do they call the bearer board or you know whatever. So I there's a and the little. Um, the little pieces of metal that secure the joists to the exactly. thing. And what are all the words? What's a... Looks like you don't know them in English either. No, so. I don't. That's the problem. I'm not a construction guy, so I don't know the words in English, so let alone go in there and ask for them in Italian. Like, what's a galvanized uh, deck screw called? And it, so every little part I have to, like, look up and figure out. And it's a good learning a learning tool, but it's just making this planning process I know, much longer. It should longer. be really simple. It's like, okay, this is a basic at home do-it-yourself project well there's calculate there's like these online calculators where you put in the dimensions Mm -hmm. and how you want it and they give you recommendations but the standard board size of wherever this one was from australia because they're doing it metric that's another thing any of the most of the online calendar i don't care about seven eighths like uh (laughs) 14 and seven eighths means nothing to me i can't i can't do it so i have to find a metric online calculator which most of them are from the uh uh, Australia that are in English so, and they their board sizes the si- the standardization of the size of boards that you can just go to the hardware store and buy are different than the ones here of course so then I have to cross check what okay if they can find this what what's the closest size that of that board that I see online that I can find here it's a mess now some people might be thinking well Jason why don't you just find one of those sites in Italian and you know like homedepot.com <laughs> has the whole thing too you can they've got a whole like series or Lowe's has a whole series on how to build a deck just go to the Italian version, ob.it. That they're not that advanced yet here, no, not unfortunately. Really. Plus, the nearest uh, one of those big box, um, <clears throat> sorry, hardware store where it's a giant, like giant store, it's an hour and a half from us. It's not. It's not efficient to drive all the way out there. I can't carry a four meter piece <laughs> of wood in my, on top of my car an hour and a half on the autostrada. No, we got to do it in Fermignano and go the back roads. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we have restrictions. It makes it more interesting. But I think this is a good. DIY one, and I get to buy new tools. Yes. He's very excited to use his circular saw. Ashley got me a circular <laughs> saw for my birthday a couple of few years ago, and the only one who's used it is my buddy Craig, and I used it once or twice to cut a few things, but never in a project. <laughs> We get to rent a excavator, a mini excavator, because mm-hmm. I have a bunch of stuff that we have to dig up and and do all that. I'm very the excited. Post hole digger. Get we got a lot. It's a lot of projects now. The biggest project you have, you're working on with my pops, and you want to talk about that a little bit? Yep, we're going to totally. Well, last year I went from watering the garden like an idiot by hand, which took hours and hours every day, to putting in a crude, uh, gravity fed drip system and uh, this thanks to zach fat yep. zach uh saying you're <laughs> wasting yep. a lot of time <laughs> uh so this year we're going to automate the drip system we're going to hook it up to a pressure switch on a on a well pump and blah 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 so that way now when i come down instead of having to fill up cisterns with a gas pump now all i do is open the valve like but a people real... don't quite understand the gas pumps situated in a precarious yeah. spot um it's about 100 meters from where it fills and you have to walk down to the river and it gets muddy and it gets i've i've already slipped numerous times and he's also burned his hand on it yeah 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 <laughs> so let's get rid of the gas pump we we wanted to go and do it solar but the price of doing it solar was ax- astronomical to to do it for solar and there's no return i'm not going to make up the money on just a 
little pump. It would mm-hmm. take 100 years. So we'll keep it AC, this one, and use the, if, God forbid, knock on wood, my system fails, then at Don't least I have uh, I have a gas pump as a, True. As a backup. True. So a lot of projects. Um, we've already done all the tree trimming, which looks great. Gave the uh, big old cherry tree a good haircut. And um, the it looks really good outside. We've been, since it's been so nice and warm, we've been able to get all of those um, winter projects really um, for the kind of cleanup that we usually Done. don't yeah. do until Aprilish. Exactly. Yeah. So that feels really good, we've and we've started, gotten into the rooms, doing the up touch-up yep. paints and um, little fixes, and um, hanging some new artwork and things like that. So it's uh, it's starting to come together. First guests arrive in May. Um, we've got family coming in April. So what is what is uh, what are our what are our um packages that we're starting with oh well the first one is our made in Lamarque, and that is a five night package but that is sold out um in both may and september so if you are interested in that come in october um but what we do have space for is our three night uh kind of summer special taste of Lamarque. feel like a local in three nights may 23rd to 26 and this is our kind of classic three night package Arrive to our legendary <laughs> family-style pizza night. Then feel like a local with our market tour at Fushiani's. And uh, Jason gives a little lesson on how we uh, locally um, age the cheese, cure the meat. And we have a bit of breakfast of wine, uh, meat and cheese, and <laughs> um, uh, whatnot at the market. We go and have a bit of porchetta. We go up to Colesi for a fantastic um, craft beer. What is Colesi? Colesi is a brewery. Brewery and distillery. distillery. And so not only are we going to have some craft beer, but amazing grappa that is um, one of the last kind of artisanal grappa distilleries yeah, in if Italy. Yeah, if you're like, oh, gra- grappa. I know. Um, it's it's not, this is when it's done right and done in this manner, it's still hardcore, like, give packs a punch, but it doesn't burn you as No, so down. maybe we should talk about grappa really quick. I don't know if we ever did. Grappa is offered at most restaurants after dinner. I would say every restaurant, really. It's a digestivo. It helps you to digest. And grappa was first a peasant's drink. This was the leftovers of the winemaking, the skins, the stems, the seeds, all of that. And it gets crushed down and, well, it's all kind of dried out after the wine. And then it's distilled into grappa. And um, like I said, this was the peasant's drink. Well, that's all changed. And now a bottle of grappa, if it's very good, can be more than the wine that it was made from and um, most industrial grappa is made by going around to all of these different wineries and saying give me your spent grapes give me what you got give me what you got and they just mix it all up and that is the kind of the harsh firewater grappa that you have now colesi and the artisanal way is done by doing their grappa by the grape so you'll they have about a dozen different types of grappa and it's from Lacrima, which is a local red here, Verdicchio, a local white, um, Montepulciano, a Brunello, a Amarone. They have, um, so each one has its own distinct, it's still strong. It's still going to put some hair on your chest. It's still going to help you digest at the end of the meal. But it's smooth. It's a lot smoother. And it has character. Exactly. And so it's really interesting. They even have one in uh, Barrique. In, um, uh, that's been aged in barrels for five years. So for that Scotch whiskey guy, 
people it's, really enjoy that woody flavor it's to it. It's got the wood. It doesn't have the turbato. It doesn't uh-huh. have the, um, what you call it, that, that the whiskey has. Exactly. But it does have the smokiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really nice. And then we go and have this huge lunch at Aquapartita, Hunter's Hideaway, and um, we eat till we're just stuffed. One of the, uh, one of the, sorry, going back to Colasi, one of the best things I think they make is gin. Oh, they do. We, we do. Ton, I force the gin on everyone when we we're there. We have a ton of juniper in our area. Like, if you walk behind our, our – I've told the stupid story about how they told us you can collect the juniper and you can make money. And I'm like, oh, money, really? And they're like, yeah, 20 euros for 100 kilos. Because like, oh, <laughs> awesome. there's juniper everywhere. There's juniper everywhere. And they make a gin that is just – it has such a great juniper I never was a gin person or like, oh, you got to get into this gin. <laughs> but this has – it's true. The juniper flavor is just so kind of – um uh, bright, and then it has a hint of lemon, and it's just fantastic. I think I might. T- I don't really drink that much. I think I might turn into a boozer this. Get summer. into a little gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. I like it. I like it. I'll do it for you. Okay. Um. So it's great. Khaleesi's a really um cool spot. Then, like I said, we go to the Hunter's Hideaway for lunch. Come back, have a nap, relax, do a little Italian quiz night, and the next day have a. Farm to table four course dinner party cooking class, and so it's a nice little three night getaway. Lots, lots of going on. Yeah, exactly. Lots. A, lots of going on. It's a real taste of La Marque in three nights, and um, we're doing that in May, the twenty third to the twenty sixth, and August twenty second to twenty fifth. If you're looking for a short getaway out here during the basically summer. All right. Um, you skipped a huge thing, though, are we, um, for what we're about to do in the getting ready in our projects is Agra Umbria. Oh, yeah. This um, is what you're most – Jason is most every, so excited. <laughs> one of the largest agricultural expos in our in, – in central Italy is in Bastia Umbria, which is a couple hours from our house. And I miss it every year for one reason or another. We've been a couple of times. But um, – it's awesome. It's at it's it's huge. They have everything from live animals to uh uh they put on shows like the the be- the most beautiful. They have an auction for like the best cow. cow. They have auction <laughs> they auction animals. You can go and buy f- small farm animals like um different birds and and pigs and all that kind of stuff. They have giant tractors. It's it's truly a huge expo with all the vendors and all the thing and it's the only way you can if I want to go get chickens, I can get our local chickens, and you go to the hardware store. <laughs> but if I want, like, chickens from Livorno, the Livorno. Well, you just passed over that. Sorry. Um, because for most people, that's the most hysterical thing, um, that you just go to the hardware store. Oh, well, you can go to the hardware store. You can go to this crazy guy up in a pecchio. He'll sell No, but you that you just too. ask for chickens. Like, yeah. people always say, what do you get? And it's like, we just ask for hardware store chickens. Oh, they're I don't called comune. Uh, like, they're, they're just the local. comune. Yep. They're, they're the local chick. You can get from the hardware store. You can get geese and uh, ducks and swans and <laughs> almost anything. Um, but you can only get our, the ones from around here. If you want a Livornese or you want the fancy ones with the feathers on their feet, I, I don't know their name. Um, you have to go to one of these kind of expos or you get to drive to Livorno where they have the Livornese and buy them there. So every year I miss <laughs> Just out. Just like cheese. Just like the cheese. Exactly. Just like the cheese. So every year we miss out. And this year I am determined. And we're going to get the fancy feet chickens. And um, 
Gaji thinks it's just to uh, we're spending money to give the fox better food. Yeah, he said, "Oh, the fox, so you can have the fox eat fancy chickens this year, <laughs> the regular, regular ones." Um, but I, I'm excited, and it's it's. Uh, we want to get a mix of uh, yeah, yeah fancy well, feet, some fun ones. Well, the thing is, what about the like miniature ones? Okay, we have a we have a hen house that can only support probably about 18 hens. Mm-hmm. The oviole. Or the, the, the egg layers, they lay They eggs. take precedence. So if we get more fancy ones than we have or egg layers or funny ones, you're not going to have any eggs. All right. All so right. you're going to be feeding chickens. At least the chickens give us eggs for the destruction that they do to our herbs. <laughs> and, and the poop. And the poop everywhere. Yeah. So, oh, but I am excited to, uh, to go check it out. We'll take a bunch of pictures and I'm sure Ashley will do a whole thing on it. Where is it located? Bastia Umbria. So not far from there um, is just outside Bastia Umbria. If you kind of come back north towards our direction and towards Perugia, just outside of Perugia. Is Bastia Umbria south of Perugia? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I think so. <laughs> um, is a town called Torciano. And between Torciano, um, Perugia, and just a bit farther west is it took me freaking 12 years to discover this. It's called Cashmere Road. <laughs> oh, my God. This is where all the cashmere sweaters, outlets, shops, everything from super high-end Lux, where it's ridiculous to buy a sweater for five to 7,000 euros, to the little places where they're making it right there, and you can get a gorgeous sweater that's thicker than you can imagine for 80 bucks. Well, here's what we didn't realize, that the classic pieces, like if you go into the, one of these super swanky shops and they just have a classic cashmere sweater, they don't make that. They yeah. make the we they make the funky one you know weird ones. They um, subcontract that out to a fabric or, or a factory that makes beautiful cashmere, but it, they'll they'll uh, private label for these big designers. Mm-hmm. So we went to one of these places where it's it's a factory. They are you can hear the machines. The lady took us to sh- <laughs> see the warehouse with all the bolts of. Uh, all the bolts of yarn, um, and they are making sweaters. With, like, ten women in the back. Um, You know, they have ten women. Like, four of them are making the sweaters. A couple of them are, like, doing the last pieces, and there was two ladies ironing them all at the end. Yes, it was great. It was great. And the giant machines and the sound of it. I love all the the mechanics mechanics of it. But um, this beautiful, heavy cashmere sweater, and it was 80 euros. And why? Because... It doesn't have a label. Like, it's not mm-hmm. labeled. It's just a classic cashmere sweater. So go ahead. Sorry. No, I just had to share it with you guys because if you're on your next trip to planning to Italy, uh, check out Research Cashmere Road. I'll have to end up doing a blog post. I'm thinking about putting a package together in the fall of uh, cooking in cashmere because it is just really... Um, for a sweater girl like me, I was so excited. I took off my coat and hat and scarf, put down my bag and told Jason, I'm going to be here a while. It's <laughs> like, you can either go sit in the car, take a drive, but I will be here for a while. I'm going through this. Now there, that was the one that was the factory with a yes. little showroom uh-huh. off to the side. Then Nothing exciting in that showroom. It was just like classics. flashy. Yeah. Just classics and classic oh. scarves, classic sweaters classic um what do you call this thing i'm wearing yeah cardigan cardigans oh I'm, no i'm not wearing a cardigan That's not <laughs> what it's 
called? What do you call it for guys? It's called a cardigan. No. Um, but then there's also ones like the um, Prada, just the Prada factory, where you it's just their ridiculous stuff marked down whatever exactly but um definitely worth a trip it's only about an hour and a half drive from our place if you're staying with us or if you're near a cc gubbio anything like that it's in umbria yep southern part of check out just around perugia cashmere road oh speaking of roads we get a lot of questions about driver's license and international driver's licenses and if they're necessary if they should get them let's talk about it for a sec the Years ago, when we first moved, well, when we very first came to Italy, of course, we when we traveled, we had an international driver's license. We followed Rick Steves. <laughs> he said, wear a p- money, money belt. <laughs> Don't go to Napoli and get um, an international driver's license. Okay, now I'm going to go to Napoli. It's Amazing, it interesting is. city. Don't wear a money belt. Are you in the third world? Just don't be an idiot. Don't flash money around. And what was the third one? The international driver's license. Oh, and now... Yeah, now you have to. So um, for, I don't know, the last dozen years, I would say if people asked, it was like, no, no one's asking for it. They don't look at it here in Italy. Um, whenever we've been pulled over just for a check or something, they never ask for an international driver's license with or without a rental Rent- car. Rental car companies never, because we until recently didn't have um italian driver's license correct so um it wasn't a problem well about a year ago we started having guests who were having some problems at the rental car agency and one in particular and her story is amazingly italian because she'd been here even to our house a dozen times never a problem with the international driver's license she's at rome she goes to pick up the car and they say where is this document she said i don't have one i've never needed one well they told her there's no way we can rent you a car without one um i'm sorry we're canceling your reservation she was first in shock but because (laughs) it's italy and like i said she's been here many times she was smart enough to walk literally next door to the next rental car company and try to rent a car there they never asked for the international driver's license gave her the keys and off she came (laughs) so it totally depends on the rental car company um recently we had some guests and i was with them when they went to rent a car here um and I asked the guy, what's the deal? What's the law? Is it a law? Do you have to have it? He said, it's not a law that you must have the rent, uh, the international driver's license. However, a lot of rental car companies are now asking for them because it is a way that they're able to easily standardize the information on your driver's license so it's main it's <laughs> it's where they can very easily see your date of birth the driver's license number and it's all in a standardized form on your thing so they don't have to know how to think speak about it English. every state has a different driver's license yeah. in america so they all look totally different you don't know where to look where does it say it's expired where's your date of birth that kind of thing so it's really at this point i would now say spend the 15 bucks which is interesting you're right america all driver's license, there's no standard, like sometimes the photos on the left, on the right. Europe, they all look the same. Whether it's France, same. Germany, Italy, yep. they all look the same. So I would definitely suggest spend the 15 bucks, take the time off lunch for You might even be able to do it online now. I don't even know. I don't know. It's normally had been through like AAA. Yeah. Um, but definitely do it. It'll just save you a hassle when you come. It's Murphy. Of course it if, is. If you don't do it, you need it. If you do it, you'll never take it out of your pocket. Exactly. <laughs> so 
So there's our two cents inside scoop on the Italian driver's license uh, kind of status going on right now here. Oh, another thing that's going on. This is the top. This has nothing to do if you don't live in Italy and do business here. But it's I think it's kind of interesting. So Italy has rolled out this year what they call a digital elect- or electronic Faturas. A fatura is a fiscal invoice that you can use to submit for your tax tax uh, liability at the end of the year. Well, Italy has gone to a digital version of this. You get a secure email address and you get a number like uh huh, and you get the a QR code. Yeah, you get a QR code, and what it's supposed to do is basically streamline the process. Before, when you bought something and you asked for a, a fiscal invoice, the um, seller had to fill out a form in a certain. St- Whoa! Did you hear all those birds? No. Uh, sorry, in a standardized, <laughs> in a standard way with your t- tax identification number. Blah 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 blah. It was, but. Um, it wasn't digital. So until you everyone submitted that information to the state, they didn't really know what was going on. Well, now the state got wise and finally did this digitally. So now they can see what's going on, the transactions immediately, right? Exactly. <clears throat> However, it's become a mess. It was supposed to happen on January 1st. No one did anything about this until last month, right? Mm-hmm. We started... All the grocery stores, all yeah. the gas stations start having to fill out the forms. Forms. Um, there's no, there's no, for instance, when you go before, when you, if you wanted to, if you were, uh, buying gas for the car and it was, uh, to write off and you wanted to use it as an expense for your taxes, there was a little booklet you had and you went up to the guy and he filled it out and stamped it with his stamp from the thing. And then you submit that. Now you go on to a app. The only problem is every gas station has a different app. Every gas station every gas station has a different app so so now i have like seven gas apps on my phone and i have no they're idea. all different they're all different um the of course one of them i still can't get to work because it won't take my um my fiscal code and it's like oh everyone is having problems setting up these um now it's only for business to business transactions in italy if i buy something in in uh germany no one cares if when you come here and stay at our place you're not going to have to do any of this mess but it's just not being being rolled out very well it's not going very well one thing i have i was just gonna say what's gonna happen next it's it's turned everyone back into black (laughs) meaning doing things um in cash in cash why because it's a hassle now to do this (laughs) electronic thing no one these little shopkeepers don't trust the um they don't want they don't like it. No. So I've noticed in the last month a lot of people. Like the now, hairdresser. Now they don't take credit cards. Don't at take all. credit cards at all. <laughs> um, things. It's it's in the last five years or so. It's been going the other way, more towards the 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 legit uh, with and even, credit cards cr- and and all of that stuff. And now it just in the last two months has take. I've had asked three times. Hey. Do you want to pay cash? <laughs> and and um, without a fiscal receipt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three different people that I go to all the time. So it's going that direction yep. again. It's interesting. It's interesting how they try to move forward. The the un um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? The, it's uh, totally unproductive in a way. At the same time, like. Well, they're trying to make it. They're trying to make it more transparent, but in a way, exactly. It's the un uh, whatever consequence. What's the name? The un. Uh, oh, I'm this is a good. Idiot. I'm an, uh, such an idiot. My vocabulary in two languages sucks. Um, 
unintended consequences. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> has is going to drive this economy more towards the black than it was before. Back in black. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just kind. I just kind of chuckle and laugh at that stuff. But um, <laughs> that's about it for this one. I'm going to read the um, another chapter from the book at the end. Do you want to talk about your bread at all? I know. Oh yeah. I know. I, 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 mentioned, I was going to say. So t- uh, this week, uh, I've been doing bread this year or this winter. I've been trying to get. Thanks, Ken. Um, getting back into doing bread, <clears throat> and my. Um, my bouet, my round is pretty good. The baguettes don't work very well at all. And I make a killer, like, um, really heavy, dark, like, Austrian rye. Oh, man. It's real it good. It is. <laughs> um, but I do it in the oven in um, in um, cast iron pots with the lids. And I want to move out to the – now that it's starting to warm up, I want to move out and start doing it in the wood, wood oven. So that's the um, – plan for probably sunday or monday he started a fire yesterday to uh bring that wood oven up to temp and uh since i'll do another little one today i'll do another little one tomorrow and then monday i'll i'll light the oven so remember if you have a wood oven at home don't just blast off you'll break it especially in the winter like especially coming out of the winter hey speaking of we've got our wood oven workshops as well (laughs) if anyone's looking to join us in july or september um, anything else you want to add? Otherwise, I'll have them hold on for the next reading of the book. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, we got to go. We All right. Stuff to do. So let's wrap it up real quick and stay tuned for what's to follow. I haven't, <laughs> haven't even checked out. Stay tuned. <laughs> well, no, if you want to stick around for the reading. This is 1978. Stay tuned now. We're 1965. All right. Next, stay tuned for Ashley. She will read her book that will never see the light of day. Exactly. <laughs> you know where to find us? Uh, Check us out at La Tavola Marche, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at La Tavola Marque, or follow me at Ashley Bartner. All right. It'll be just a second for you, but it'll probably be an hour and a half or two hours before. Yeah, we're actually going grocery shopping right now first. <laughs> all right. We'll see you when we see you. Thanks for listening to this one, and have a great week. Ciao, ciao. ciao. All right, the continuation of the unnamed, unpublished, unfinished book that I enjoy reading here on the podcast from time to time. Chapter 15, An American Grand Slam. Che cosa hai mangiato per la prima colazione? What did you eat for breakfast? This is an almost daily question. I don't know if it's a setup for a joke, but all eyes eagerly await the answer every time we're asked. With smiles growing as we start with... Um, cereal? Which is true, I'm a cereal lover, but they press harder, not satisfied with boring old cornflakes. Is that all? I don't, I don't know, sometimes pancakes? Um, I love waffles with strawberries with whipped cream or bacon, eggs, toast, and hash browns. I'm really starting to roll here. And all the Italians' eyes light up. Ah, yes! The American breakfast! We have heard so much of this. They finally got the answer they were looking for. The Denny's Grand Slam. All nodding in agreement that this is what they thought we must eat every day for breakfast. Italians are in general fascinated and underwhelmed by the American diet. Certainly live off hamburgers, hot dogs, and Coca-Cola. Inglese? English? 
Inglese? English? We are frequently asked by the Marchigiani. Our curious accent shoot red, shoots up red flags for sure. Proudly I state, no, siamo americani, to which they simply reply, ah, meglio, better. Never did I imagine that we'd become more American moving to Italy, embodying the great American spirit of we can do anything we put our minds to. Known throughout our valley as the Americani, it's only us out here, the American ambassadors to La Marche. While shopping for groceries one morning, Jason meets a local man who is so overwhelmed to meet a real live American, he insists on having a beer with him at 9 a.m. and recounting stories of World War II and the Americans liberating Italy. <laughs> I'll never forget Jason coming home that day. He was late, and I thought, where have you been? And he said, oh, this guy forced me to have a beer. And I thought, what are you talking about? And he said, no. In line, this Italian old man said, oh, where, what is your accent? Are you English, German? And he said, no, I'm American. And he grabbed his hands and said, oh, I must buy you a beer. You liberated our country. I have been waiting to buy an American a beer since you came through my country when I was a kid. So sure enough, they head over to the bar and Jason asks for a cafe. And he says, no, no, no. You must have a beer, regardless of it being eight in the morning. I love it. In town, they give Jason a pass when he hurries into the grocery store wearing flip-flops, which are strictly used only at the beach and pool. My God, I mean, really, how could you go into town and shop like that? Not to mention the baseball or basketball shorts he wears with them. The locals just wave it off that we're the kooky Americans that must have been raised in a barn. Attempting to forge our own, Megan and I head, my sister Megan and I head into the backwoods for a dry, for dry dead wood that's fallen over in the winter. Among birch and oak trees while I'm holding my sister up, she uses all her brute force to chainsaw a dead tree growing out of the side of the hill. So what do you want to do when you go back to Seattle? Neither of us had wanted to bring up the subject about Megan's departure. Flight was quickly approaching. I, I don't know, maybe, well... I was thinking, I don't know. In classic Megan form, she tried to answer the question. Seriously, though, you should bake. You're amazing. I mean it. I said, repositioning my hold. That's what I was thinking. Maybe I'll go to the Seattle Art Institute. I don't know. Deep in concentration, we barely notice as we surprise an unsuspecting mushroom hunter as we, two 20-something, damn near six-foot-tall brunettes, chainsaw a tree down in the middle of the forest. <laughs> if you ask him his side of the story, it must have been an alien encounter because he could not imagine how we had gotten there or if what we were even, or what he even saw was real. He was definitely not expecting us and he was un <laughs> as he unsuspectedly walked into the woods that morning especially, let alone us saying we were American, we might as well have been from Timbuktu. That being said, we get a lot of street cred with the locals when they see us really giving it a go for the country living, sweating it out and getting our hands dirty. We're not just some old retired couple living off the hog. No, sir. We're living off the land and they could see what it meant to us and loved it. Chapter 16, Mama Micha. There's nothing more quintessentially Italian farmhouse than a barn cat wandering about killing field mice. So one sunny spring afternoon, Jason and I went totally out of character as lifelong do dog lovers, ventured into Piopico looking for a vet or shelter. 
Asking around at the grocery store, I met a man in an orange sweater and corduroy pants who told us to follow him to the bar across the street. Ah, yes, there we will find a man with many cats, he said, enjoying his cafe corretto and reading the paper, sat an older man in his late 60s with the wildest white eyebrows and ear hair I had ever seen, a bushy mustache and little round glasses too small for his face. Maurizio, a.k.a. the cat man. <laughs> Once hearing we were interested in one of his gatti, he lit up and motioned for us to get into the car and follow him to his house. So we did. A few kilometers outside of town at an old building on the side of the road, Maurizio parked his car. Without saying a word, we followed the eyebrows inside where he quickly scooped up the cat and began to coo at her. Bellissima gattina, i lunghi baffi, ah, bellissima, grasso. Beautiful little cat, long whiskers, oh, beautiful and fat. In one fatal swoop, he swiftly shoved her in a box, closed it, handed us a bag of cat food, and shoved us out the door. What just happened? Did you even see what the cat looks like? I asked Jason as we turned down via Candeliano with a cat in a box. We don't even have a food dish for her, Jason said. Once we got home, we opened the box, out leapt a fat, beautiful, long-haired, long-whiskered, white, fluffy cat. What are you going to name her, my sister asked. Four days later, Jason is on the riding mower, cutting the lawn, thankful he's not working in a windowless kitchen any longer, and enjoying the office view. While my sister and I are raking up leaves and weeding the flower beds, Megan looked up and said, Ash, something's coming out of your cat's butt. She's not fat. She's preggers. <laughs> Never having a cat before, let alone one in labor. I ran inside and tried to log on to the internet through our cell phone to Google cat birth and read, and read one too many entries on how to assist with the birth. Listen, I'm not going to doula or midwife for this cat. I just want to know what's normal. A litter of kittens later, and now we've got our cat family that grew from 1 to 11 in three years, officially putting us into crazy cat person territory until we gave a few to neighbors and friends the cats guard our house and guests they flank us military like a military operation while mushroom hunting and sleep in one big pile at the end of our bed thankfully we have our little furry cat family now because my real flesh and blood family is about to board a plane back to plane back to america it's almost been six months and it's time for my sister to return back to her normal life in seattle this is the first time as adults that we've been able to spend an extended period of time together and i treasure it more so than jason he is happy it will be just the two of us again a teary goodbye with her bags packed megan follows jason to the car Unfortunately, I have to stay behind because guests are arriving. I notice how clear her skin is and how dark her auburn hair shines. Her muscles are toned and she looks the healthiest I've seen in a long time. And a big part of it is the clean water and the stress-free environment. In this dysfunctional upbringing that we were raised in, I like to think it was nice for her to see Jason and I in love and working together seamlessly, not taking one ourselves too seriously. I hope she knows how much we appreciate all the work she's done to help us make this cold stone farmhouse our warm and welcoming home. I think this was a life-altering experience for her, growing leaps and bounds and self-confidence in the kitchen with a little help from Jason and some unsuspecting Italians. I think she was willing to take a risk and go after her dream for the first time in her life after spending a little time with us, living and growing in a foreign world and seeing how much more fulfilled we were. 
after this experience, I felt like I needed something different. I wasn't fulfilled or challenged and had begun to lose interest in my old job, Megan said when she returned to Seattle, with the knowledge of how to chainsaw a tree, shoot a rifle, scrub stone, and even drive a stick. <laughs> Thanks to many patients' lessons by Jason, he taught us both tons of recipes. He brought us tons of self-confidence in the kitchen after baking for Italians and then leaving the ladies and then having the ladies request her recipes that I never expected. She said in total disbelief, she enrolled in the culinary school. She enrolled in culinary school upon return, finished top of her class in pastry and now works in the bread department of the biggest restaurateur in the Northwest. Poor Megan never got to enjoy the fields of sunflowers in the summer or the fruits of her labor. She helped to scrub and clean the pool, but to this day has never swam in it. I'm so sad to see her go, especially as the weather is really warming up. And I'll miss her sense of humor, i.e. us ganging up on Jason. But it's time to get down to business now that the guests are arriving. Six months after moving to Italy, Jason and I finally unpacked. Leaving the third floor apartment that we shared with my sister behind, we settle into the little stone cottage and finally hang up photos on the walls and unpack our clothes. The two-story converted hay barn is a mini replica of the main house, at least in structure. With, it has the same terracotta tiles, exposed stone walls, and massive wood beam ceilings. The double doors open into a kitchenette and an old chubby cast iron potbelly stove. Half the walls have been plastered over with uh, half the walls have been plastered over the stone with a pale pink hue that glows softly in the evening light. Up the cutout wooden ship steps is our bedroom with a view of the woods behind the house and a balcony overlooking the creek, apple and cherry trees in the front yard and castle ruins of Monte Roberto. It's a hell of a lot better than the back-end view of our laundromat like before in Brooklyn. <laughs> this is where I find Jason cutting a hole in the wall to install a cat flap. It's kind of ironic because we have all this space, a huge house, more land than we know what to do with. But this cute little cottage is literally no bigger than our apartment in Brooklyn was. Neither of us care, though. It has a view and a commute we like best. Cramped quarters or not, we'll make the best of it. Guests slowly begin arriving one by one. Jason and I get into an efficient groove of our own without relying on the third with, without relying on a third set of hands to help. Grating golden chunks of nutty parmesan while the salted water is boiling, Jason fishes a long strand of tagliatelle out of the st out of the steam, rips it in two, shoving half in his mouth and tossing the other bit into mine while our hands are full. Okay? He checks my opinion. Yep. I nod. In one smooth motion, Jason scoops the pasta with a basket strainer, dumps it into the pan, ready to go with artichokes and fava. I run for the pasta bowls just in time as he's ready to start plating, drizzling golden olive oil over the top of each dish as they're ready to be served. More and more, we see the familiar face and menacing smile of Dr. Gaji. Come on, Jason, we are going to go build some steps down the hill today. <laughs> Just like that, the plan for the morning changes, and Jason happily sets off to work with the curmudgeon <laughs> finishing his cappuccino and grabbing his work boots. I look at the only clock in the house and notice it's 7.20 in the morning. And where's the cafe? Gaji jokes as he walks out the door with his work gloves at hand. Call me when it's ready, he finishes seriously. I quickly start the mocha on the stove. Oh, thanks for listening. Um, a quick update. My sister did get married here um, a few years after I wrote this. I haven't written or read this in 
five plus years. Um, so thanks for bearing with me as I fumble through it. And yes, my sister did come back. She got married here. <laughs> so all is good. She finally swam in the pool. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.